Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, Newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code CUPOFMURDER at Newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, What? more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. There were two more murders 15 miles when away. Arrived, the they found the telephone and electricity line. Weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Morning. Cup of murder. The hard part of a crime and the part that almost always gets perpetrators caught is the disposal of their victims. From all of the stories we've read, the killings seem to come easy. It's the getting rid of the bodies and not leaving a trace that becomes difficult. On October 24, 1949, a man was born who would find a unique and disgusting way to dispose of his many victims. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Robert William Picton, born October 24, 1949, owned a farm in Port Coquitlam, British Columbia, with his brother, David. The place was always described as creepy-looking, and Robert as a bizarre man who no one really thought much of. Soon, the farm became less of a place to grow crops and tend to animals, and more of a place for good times and excessive partying. The brothers registered a nonprofit charity called the Piggy Palace Good Time Society in 1996 and claimed to use the farm to, quote, organize, coordinate, manage and operate special events, functions, dances, shows, and exhibitions on behalf of service organizations, sports organizations, and other worthy groups. Basically, they used the farm as a party place under the guise of a nonprofit. Such events included the wildest raves that featured a number of Vancouver sex workers and patrons all coming to the coveted slaughterhouse. Some events boasted a guest list of about 2,000 people. However, things slowly began crashing down around him when, on May 23, 1997, 
Robert was charged with the attempted murder of sex worker of a sex worker named Wendy Lynn Eistetter. She had been handcuffed and stabbed a number of times before escaping and heading to police. Robert was released on $2,000 bond, and the charges were dismissed less than a year later. But her accusations left people to wonder what was really happening at that farm. A few months later, the Picton brothers were sued by officials for violating zoning ordinances. It seemed that, by neglecting their land and its agriculture, making the place a failure as a functioning farm, and altering the slaughterhouse to hold dances and other recreations, was against the law. The boys ignored the legal pressure and held a huge 1998 New Year's blowout party. An injunction was filed, and police were authorized to arrest and remove any person attending any future parties at the farm. The nonprofit status was removed after they failed to produce a financial statements, and the Piggy Palace Good Time Society was disbanded. In the meantime, local authorities began noticing a string of missing women, women who were known to visit the Picton Farm. On February 6, 2002, they were able to get a search warrant for any illegal firearms on the property, hoping to find any viable clues about the missing women during their search. The brothers were arrested and the police descended on the property. They found personal items belonging to some of the missing women and the following day, Robert Picton was charged, but not with anything connected to the missing women. He was charged with weapons offense and the brothers were later released but kept under police surveillance while they continued their investigation. Over a year would pass before excavations of the property began an excavation that cost the province upwards of $70 million by the time it ended. But it did turn up viable information for the investigation, though it would take a lot more work to make it work to their advantage. Because, you see, any and all of the bodies at the farm were left to decompose, eaten by insects, and then completely digested the pigs on the farm. So everything they found was in such small, microscopic amounts, it was extremely difficult to determine if it was even human, much less how many women had died there. What they were able to determine was that Robert Picton, more than likely, ground up the flesh of his victims and mixed it with the pork he sold to the public. On March 10, 2004, a government warning was issued to any and all who purchased from Picton Farms. Robert Picton was finally arrested and charged with two counts of first-degree murder for the deaths of Serena Abbotsway and Mona Wilson. As the investigation into what was found on the farm continued and remains identified, more charges kept being added. In the end, over the course of about a year, he was charged with a total of 27 murders during what was considered the largest investigation into any serial killer in Canadian history. And with his arrest came a number of witnesses coming forward giving their own first-hand accounts of what happened at the Picton farm. One even came forward stating she saw Robert skinning a woman who hung from a meat hook and that the only reason she didn't come forward sooner was because she feared she would be next. The preliminary hearings began in 2003, but there was a publication ban until 2010, making any information on the trial scarce at the time. But during this inquiry, the details about the attempted murder of Wendy Lean Eistetter in 1997 were given, during which they stated that the reason he wasn't initially charged was due to her dependency on drugs, making her an unreliable witness to testify. But what they did do was keep the clothing and rubber boots he had been wearing that evening and place it into a storage where it sat for more than seven years. 
In 2004, a lab test was performed on the items and found the DNA belonging to two of the missing women. Not only that, but in the years prior to their search at the farm, Royal Canadian Mounted Police received several anonymous tips that said to check out Robert and the farm. That he had a freezer filled with human flesh and was connected to the missing women in the area. Police interviewed him in 1999, but Robert denied his involvement, even consenting to have his property searched, though police never proceeded. All of these shortcomings and mistakes were now being brought up in court. The trial officially began on January 30, 2006, with Robert pleading not guilty to the 27 murder charges. And this trial, like the inquiry and investigation that started all of this, went on to last years. Eventually, the charges were split up into one group of six and another of 20, with one charge being dropped due to lack of evidence. The judge feared giving one jury the information on all 26 murders would burden the jury, prolong the trial, and increase the chance of a mistrial. The trial proceeded on the six charges and the publication ban was finally lifted, meaning for the first time, Canadians heard the details of what police found during their long investigation. Things like skulls cut in half with hands and feet shoved inside, remains stuffed into garbage bags, bloodstained clothing, weapons, jawbones and teeth found in the slaughterhouse, and a 22 caliber revolver with an attached dildo containing both his and the victim's DNA. He later claimed he used it as a makeshift silencer. On December 9, 2007, a jury returned a not guilty verdict on Robert's six first-degree murder charges and instead found him guilty of six second-degree charges, therefore sentencing him to life with no parole for at least 10 to 25 years. The families of the victims were, to say the least, not totally pleased with the verdict. They were further angered when, on August 4, 2010, the remaining 20 charges were stayed, meaning that Robert would never face trial for those deaths. The victim's children filed a civil lawsuit in May of 2013 against the Vancouver Police Department, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and the Crown for failing to protect the victims. They claimed that, had they done their job properly, Robert Picton would have been arrested years before, saving a number of lives. They reached a settlement and were each compensated $50,000. In the end, no one really knows how many people lost their lives at the farm. According to an offhanded confession to an undercover agent, Robert said he killed 49, but wished he had not gotten so, quote, sloppy because he wanted to make it an even 50. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on October 25th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This daily true crime podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching Morning Cup of Murder. I'd love it if you stopped by and said hi. Stay safe.